Can you please stop that? Are you deaf? I thought we were friends, you know? But friends tell each other the truth. And they definitely don't lie to each other. You made me think Will was okay. That he was still out there, but he wasn't. He wasn't. Maybe you thought you were helping, but you weren't. You hurt me. Do you understand? What you did sucks. Lucas was right about you. All along. So, it uh, looks like Mike isn't happy with Eleven, is he? Oh, no, he's not going to stay mad at her very long now that he hears Will's voice. Uh, right. I like that. <laughs> I like that he's also singing the song, uh, the Clash song, Will I Stare, Will I Go, and just kind of comes up all through the season. So, I think that was a great little touch that he's just kind of probably huddled up somewhere just singing to himself and just being sad and <laughs> scared. Just so bad for him over there, right? It's just terrible. Right? Like you're like a, just this kid, and you, you probably have can't even understand your surroundings whatsoever. Like it's not within your understanding. Got to be so terrified. Right. So um, obviously, we're going to just start with the kids. We're going to talk about what happens to them in this episode uh, before we move on to anybody else. So yeah, they start out here in this uh, clip here, as you can tell. Um, you know, Mike's angry at 11 up until he hears Will's voice on the walkie-talkie. Um, and that's when he asks. And, of course, 11 says, hey, it's Will. Um, and then Mike, he's, he's like, laying in bed. His, his mom comes in. Pretending she's sick. Right. I'm sick. I can't go. Which she knows he's not sick. He, she, Will's dead. Right. Because you remember, this is right after... The third episode, Holly Jolly, with that great ending. Well, the great ending and the quality, but the the bad ending and that devastatingness. It's devastating it. in terms of how it looked to you know the children and Mike and Lucas and all them thinking that the friend had died. Um, so now uh, Mike's mom's like, "Oh, it's fine. You can stay home, but hey, why don't you come with me? You know, we can go to the video store and you can get whatever you want." And he's like, "No, no, no. I'm fine. I'm just going to stay here." So right after she leaves, he gets out of bed, he gets on his walkie-talkie and tries to get in contact with Lucas. Lucas is laying on his bed. He's obviously just not up for it. He's not open for any communication. He's too upset. He's grieving well. He's somebody who he doesn't he's not as receptive as the other boys are to the otherworldliness to L and you know the quote unquote upside down. He's much more like Will is dead, that was his body, this is what's happening, I'm grieving kind of uh 
aspect to him. And so getting him to respond to, you know, hey, hey, you know, we're not, of course, I'm not talking about Will's body and that thing. <laughs> you know, get over here, get Dustin and you know, get over here. We, we heard Will. <laughs> right. Well, and like just I, hangs up. I like I like Mike's I like Mike's uh, response, which is. You know, Dustin's like, you mean his funeral? And Mike's like, screw, screw his funeral. Screw his funeral, yes. And Lucas is like, great. what? Like, he's like, just get Dustin and get over here. Like, now. Pronto. Stat. Over and out. Over and out. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so they, they come over. Um, and that's when Mike kind of relays to them exactly what happened. And Lucas, being the skeptic uh, that he is, uh, doesn't believe a word of it. He's like, look. You know, Will's dead. Meanwhile, Dustin seems more willing to believe the idea that Eleven, you know, has these powers and that she can do these things. Um, although I think it's funny that Lucas seems to put some stock in the possibility that it, it, it Will could be a ghost, uh, which I found right. funny. Funny because you know. Like to him, like he can't be alive, but a ghost. Now that at least has some possibility, which I thought was funny. That's real. Like, right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so uh, yeah, um, Eleven is trying to find Will in the walkie-talkie again, but they, all they can hear is kind of you know wimps and moans, and you know Luke's just like, okay, that's just a baby monitor you're tapping into, and. You know, Mike's is persistent. He says, like, no, you know, we heard him singing that weird song he likes. So they decide that they need to go to the school. And we can't just bring, you know, bald-headed Eleven along with us. We gotta dress her up in something pretty. So they go through all, like, the old dress-up boxes that we all had as kids and find this pink dress and a blonde wig for her. And seeing, like, Mike put makeup on her is just so sweet and she comes out and she's just, of course, stunning. She looks lovely. And she sees herself in the mirror and now she thinks pretty. And it just melts her heart. <laughs> yeah, it's great. You know, I, I love the whole dress-up scene. I, I love Dustin and Lucas going through this the stuff in the attic. Dustin putting on the wig, which is just hilarious. <laughs> so Dustin. Um, I, love, I love Mike and Eleven. Like, it kind of resembles this. Like, do you ever watch... Um, 16 candles yes that's totally the way it looks like like right so like sitting cross-legged in front of each other and with the lighting coming from behind the curtains kind of thing right. those are from like the candles of course but it kind of lights up the same way right and so uh, he she just kind of leans in forward and he like brushes her with the the makeup brush and she just kind of like Recoils. almost like recoils and horror like what is this what are you doing and uh so that's great but yeah right she comes out um she's uh, adorable she has this this wig on of course this reflect is well this is supposed to be like et right because yes, in et exactly. et has the wig and you know um et looks like crazier uh just more ridiculous like the oldest person alive with the wig right. on <laughs> like like a brown yoda uh, basically, um, but in this, you know, Will, not Will, sorry, Eleven, Eleven is just, you know, she's got this like really kids feel like little girl dress on and the wig. And I like Lucas and Dustin where they say she looks and Mike says pretty and he says pretty pretty good good yeah um <laughs> gotta cover his tracks there a little right and then 11 goes over looks in the mirror and says pretty pretty good which yeah. i thought you know again you know mimicking what mike's saying um so yeah cute. pretty pretty fantastic stuff there yeah so uh they eventually get to the school and they're trying to sneak into their teacher's like geek room the av room i guess where the big radio is at the heat was yeah it's the it's the heath kit ham shack okay yeah the fancy name <laughs> right and anyways of course he catches them and you know, he they pretend to be grieving it's the worst acting you've ever seen like lucas just like caresses his head against the door frame like i'm so sad <laughs> right right but i like like it's not that the actors are doing a bad job it's like 
they're trying oh, yeah, like, on the fly. It's what kids would do. Right. And it looks so, like, it's so convincing in this scene that, that they're they're trying to act like they're suddenly sad about about Will being, you know, supposedly dead when, in fact, they're on a mission. <laughs> These actors who are pretending to be on a mission who are kids that have to pretend to be bad at covering up their tracks. Like, it's it's wonderful. They do such a good job. Uh, but yeah, they get, he tells them they have to go, like, kind of honor Will at the assembly, but he meets Elle, and, um, so they haven't seen you around, and Mike says, you know, she's here from, uh, or she's here to, for the funeral, and, um, he asks where she's from, and she's bad place, <laughs> and I like that he chimes in, Sweden, you know, super cold, sub-zero. <laughs> <laughs> right. So cute. <laughs> it, it is cute, um. But she would pass for Swedish with that hair. Right. It actually does fit. Um, yeah, but it's really great uh, in this scene. It's, it's funny. Um, and I love I love that we're in this period of time where, like, you could do this back then. You could just bring somebody into the school. Like, today, that just doesn't happen. You have, like, security clearances and going through metal detectors. I mean, back in 1983... Um, like that just no one cared nobody cared you could like you could easily bring somebody a cousin in from a different town or a different state just a visit and like nobody cares uh so i kind of found that uh refreshing <laughs> to right? see that Miss you know? those days yeah long days long past um yeah. so the kids the kids eventually get pulled into this assembly for will uh, of course, the moment they walk in, everybody looks at them, and Dustin's like, abort, abort. It's uh, <laughs> so cute. But they push him in anyway. So they're sitting there, and they're, wa- you know, they're watching the assembly go on. Uh, Mike looks over and sees Troy and his uh, fellow, like his buddy. Uh, they're kind of laughing and joking. They're obviously, like, they're not grieving or anything, of course, you know. Uh, they're like the Stranger Things equivalent of... Um... Uh, Draco and Goyle. <laughs> Basically, yes, from Harry Potter. Um, so, Eleven looks over at them and sees them laughing. Uh, and I love, she looks at Mike and says, Mouth breathers. And <laughs> of course, Mike has taught her what mouth breathers are. So, I thought that was really great. You know, that she could, she could now spot what a mouth breather is based on how Mike describes them. Yeah. So, I thought that was fantastic. Uh, but after the assembly's over, because Mike's watched these, you know, two kids laughing at his friend who is missing, or at least, well, he, they know he's missing, uh, but everyone else thinks he's dead, jumps down and for probably the first time in his life, confronts Troy and pushes Troy to the, right? Sorry? I think there's like 50%, you know, defending his friend and 50% just trying to want to show off a little for Elle and be like, you know, the kind of male figure that stands up for what he believes in. Like, she gives him courage. Right. Well, I think... I, I I wouldn't phrase I wouldn't put it like he's showing I want to say showing off I think but yeah, I, th- I, I, I agree with what you're saying though I think I think L inspires him to be yeah that's a good way to put it to be more forceful in his defense like to me and this is just my opinion to me and we don't just because we share the same name I'm not <laughs> saying this but um, I feel like Mike is the strongest of the trio or the weather, or I guess, I guess there's four technically, but, um, he's the strongest out of the group in my, he's the, he's the de facto leader. Um, yeah. So for, for me, watching him confront Troy is great. And so he pushes Troy to the ground. Uh, Troy of course gets up. He's like, you're dead. And (laughs) when he rushes forward, he gets frozen because 11 is using her powers and then she also makes him uh, pee himself. We have the clip for it, um, so we're gonna play that now. Hey, excuse me. Hey, do this. Troy. Hey, Troy. You, you think this is funny? Would you say, Wheeler? I saw you guys laughing over there, and I think that's a real messed up thing to do. Didn't you listen to the counselor, Wheeler? Grief shows itself in funny ways. 
Besides, what's there to be sad about anyway? Will's in fairyland now, right? Flying around with all the other little fairies, all happy and gay. <laughs> la, 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 la. Dead, Wheeler! Dead! Dude, Troy peed himself! <laughs> Alright, Sarah, um, what did you think of this scene when, you know, you watched it on the... Well, the first time you watched it and I guess the rewatch. <laughs> Such a great scene. I laugh every time. And there's just this moment um, after, you know, she's frozen Troy, whatever, and um, Mike looks back at her, and she has this look in her eyes, and just kind of wipes her nose, and walks off in, like, the most badass fashion ever. Like, like superhero type of badassery right there. Like, she just has this look in her eyes that's wonderful, you know? Like this, like, this slight smirk on her face. <laughs> Um, I just like don't mess with my friends. <laughs> right, and she just like wipes her nose and like spins and like walks out of the frame, and yeah. it's just like, like yeah, that's like what I kept thinking. like badass. That's just all, like, all you could think of, you know. She's a kid, and I could never be as cool as that. <laughs> right, like you're like okay, yeah, you're awesome. Yeah, uh, can never achieve that level of coolness, but yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Um. Anyway, Troy's Troy's buddy. I like how Troy, he's unfrozen, but his buddy just like walks Reason away there. because like everyone's laughing at Troy. You know, like that you're like you're like a social pariah at school on something like that at this point in yep. your life. And his friends, but like like he just looks at me he's like like I even I'm not going to like be associated with you right now. No way. I, I can't be seen with you. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's social suicide. So, um, so eleven. Before we get to the next part, should we talk about Joyce and Jonathan, or because it kind of correlates with them, it all crosses over. Uh, sure, yeah. Yeah. Um. Let's see. So, do you want to start from the very beginning where Hopper's talking to Joyce? Well, actually, I tell you what. No, no. Actually, let's let's finish off with the kids, right? Because even though a kind of well, well, I, okay. Let's do this. Let's let's talk about Eleven's flashback before we get okay. to. So there's a flashback next that we have uh, with Brenner, where she has Eleven. Um, Eleven's kind of curled up in the chair. She's afraid that that Brenner's going to make her hurt somebody, and he tells her that he's not going to, but that he wants her to contact uh, this man. She he show he shows her a photograph, and. Um, this man is actually down the hall, uh, and in a so, soundproof room, right in a soundproof room. And what he wants is for her to hear what he's saying and repeat it back. But she goes one step further, and again showcases that she's more powerful than even Brenner knows, because instead, instead of just like parroting back what he's saying, it actually his voice actually comes out of the speakers in the room. So, yeah, because I wonder if like maybe her vocal skills aren't up to par yet. Who knows? Like, or if she's just like, this is easier to communicate <laughs> just it, by it, doing this. It could be. I mean, that's certainly a possibility. We know that her grasp on the human language has a lot of gaps. There's no doubt about that. But I, well, I think that's a good theory, or at least maybe partially it. I just lean towards more like. Eleven is stronger than Brenner understands. Like, mm -hmm. he thinks that she's on level one, but she's actually on level ten, you yeah. know? And he she keeps surprising him with how her powers continue to grow and grow and grow at such a rapid pace. And I think this is kind of what's going on here. Like, he's expecting, like, her to just repeat what the guy is saying, and instead he gets a much more amazing display of her power and her capabilities. Yeah, and I wonder if it's also just like, you know, the last time we saw a flashback of her, Brenner had asked her to harm a cat, and she refused, and she was punished for it. 
Um, so I'm wondering if now, like, he's not asking her to hurt anybody, so she she wants to demonstrate more power when it involves not hurting somebody so that he continues to give her things that don't involve hurting anything. Uh, that's a possibility, I think. I mean, that's certainly... Yeah, I think I could fit. That's kind of what I think. Like, I think she's much more willing to use her powers as long as it doesn't hurt anybody else. Hmm. Alright, well, let's, uh, let's move back into talking about Joyce and uh, Jonathan and, and I guess Hopper because they're kind of all, at least at the beginning of the show, they're kind of all included because they're all in the same scene. Uh, eventually they're going to separate and we'll kind of tackle the Jonathan, Nancy and the Joyce Hopper stuff. Um, yeah. So at the very beginning, it opens like with Hopper explaining to Joyce that they you know, pulled Will out of the lake and you know, she is not having it. She isn't believing it because just moments ago, you know, she was talking to Will uh, in her mind through the lights. And she tries to explain to Hopper, Jonathan just can't handle it. He thinks this is just insanity and that his mom is losing it and goes to his room. And I love that, you know, Hopper doesn't tell her she's wrong, but it is also sound crazy to him. And the fact that he doesn't even leave, he just sleeps in his truck watching over the house. I think that's like a great touch that he doesn't even want to leave her. I love it. It's a great cold open. Yeah. Oh, and the fact that she goes and grabs an axe, <laughs> like the badass mama she is to protect the house. Right. And Hopper, of course, is staying out in the truck. He basically uh, sleeps there all night to kind of keep watch over everything. Um, and then of of course, you know, Jonathan wakes Joyce up in the morning, or at least, and she thinks for a second that she sees Will, um, but of course it's just Jonathan. Yeah, and then um, they have to go to the morgue to identify, quote-unquote, Will. Uh, yeah, definitely. And uh, they go they go to the coroner, and he's, uh, they go, well, they go into a room, they kind of have to, they can't be up close, and, and I guess this has to do with, like, a like a federal investigation or something, or preservation of evidence, or something yes. like that, because most of the time, at least in movies and stuff, like, you actually get to be right there in front of the body, but for whatever reason, like, they don't allow her to get close, so, like, she has to view it from a distance, which, of course, you know, well, we'll get to why, but... Um, <laughs> So Jonathan, after just a, a few seconds, just can't handle it. And so he exits the room. Joyce, meanwhile, uh, is made of harder stuff. Plus, I think, you know, she doesn't believe it's Will anyway. So she's like asking about birthmark and everything. And so we jump to uh, Hopper out in the waiting room with Jonathan. Um, they have this nice conversation where. You know, he says he's well. Hopper's worried about his mom. Uh, so is Jonathan. But it's comforting because you see Hopper. Well, Jonathan says that his mom is stronger. She she's a strong person, and Hopper agrees that the Joyce is a strong person. And then all of a sudden, that's when Joyce walks out and says, "I don't know who you think that is in there, but that is not my son." <laughs> she won't sign the discharge papers and just storms out. And also, we did find out um, uh, Hopper was talking to uh, the receptionist lady, and he found out that Gary, the guy who runs the morgue, wasn't the one who did the autopsy. Some guys from state came and did the autopsy instead and sent Gary home. So, gets a red flag up on his radar right away. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely, because... This is the point, like, what you've seen from Hopper as time has gone on in this show, and certainly this episode is really a kind of a linchpin to all this. As you see, as we go along in this episode, Hopper, little things start raising red flags. Like, early in the episode, he's trying to convince Joyce that Will is dead. Of course he is. He's a police officer. They just found Will's body, you know, and he's trying to tell. He's being sympathetic, but he's... He's sure that it's Will. But yeah. then this whole thing about about Gary not doing the autopsy doesn't make any sense. So that's like making Hopper's spidey sense go off. Yeah, exactly. Like and, and, right. So then as we go along in this episode further along, like more and more doesn't make sense. 
And it's actually been that way since the pilot, right? Because as things have gone along, little things have been like not sitting right with Hopper. Like his instincts are telling him something is going on here. I don't know what it is, but something is not right. And with each episode, that keeps getting stronger and stronger. Yeah, exactly. Like things just aren't molding well with him and you know red flags going up all over the place and things that should be straight and closed are just not right and so he, of course you know hopper has to further investigate and uh for hopper that leads him uh to talk to gary uh talk about the officers that found um and talk to him about the, the states that came through and on the tv there's a state officer that found Will's body on the news, which leads us right into Hopper at the bar, pretending to kind of be a nobody who's just shooting the shit next to this guy and, you know, drinking scotch and beers. And, you know, he's very, very smart. He, you know, he kind of acts like, you know, maybe just a local nobody who's, you know, just proud of his kid. And but subtly asking questions, and when the guy flat out lies to him about something he knows, tables turn pretty quickly. Uh, ends up pulling the guy outside and beating the living shit out of him. Which when I first saw that, I thought, um, like, damn, that took a dark turn. I didn't think Hopper would be the guy to, you know, beat somebody up in public. You know, especially because what the guy's a cop. Yeah, that too. It's like, um, you know, like it's crazy. But but Hopper's dealing with a lot of stuff. I mean, he's got stuff in his past that's really haunted him, and this this case is taking weird turns, and he's bound and determined to get to the bottom of it. So, yeah, so he kind of beats this guy up. Uh, meanwhile, Jonathan and Joyce get into an argument because after she exits the uh, the coroner's office, uh, Jonathan chases after her in his car, jumps out, and they get into this this argument in the middle of the street. And uh, here is the clip of that scene. Mom! Mom! Stop! Just go home, Jonathan! No, this is not an okay time for you to shut down. Shut down? We have to what? deal with this, Mom. We have to deal with the funeral. The funeral? For, for, for who? For that thing back there? Let me get this straight. Will, that's not his body because he's in the lights, right? And there's a monster in the wall. Do you even hear yourself? I know it sounds crazy. I, I, I sound crazy. Yeah. You think I don't know that? It is crazy. But I heard him, Jonathan. He talked to me. Will is is calling to me, and he's out there, and he's alone, and he's scared, and and I don't I don't care if anyone believes me. I am not gonna stop looking for him until I find him and bring him home. I am going to bring him home. Yeah, well, while you're talking to the lights, the rest of us are having a funeral for Will. I'm not letting him sit in that freezer another day. All right, Sarah, what were your thoughts when you watched uh, this on TV? This was, like, some of the best acting out of these two this episode. Just phenomenal. Like, especially, like, we've seen, you know, crazy panicked, talking to the lights, Joyce. But this is the first time we've seen Jonathan kind of get really upset and uh, just, like, grieving, upset, and angry at everything. And yeah, he's so frustrated because, you know, his mom is very adamant, like, that's not Will. That's not her son. And he's alive and talking into the lights. And she even tells him, like, yeah, I know it sounds crazy. I'm crazy. <laughs> like, yeah, this is all nuts. But it's, I know it's true. I can, I heard him. And he just wants to, he doesn't want Will's body to sit in a cooler and just sit there for days on end. He wants to you know, give him a proper burial and, you know, basically give him just like a way to the other side let him move on and do the right thing where Joyce is just in Jonathan's eyes she's completely falling apart and they just kind of have it right out there in the street right well I mean look Jonathan's grieving 
right? And he's exactly. also the man of the house. I mean, he's not a, a man technically. I mean, right? He's I, I, he's still in school. Uh, so what, what do you do? You know, but you're like, the, okay, your dad isn't around. You got to be the man of the house. We saw him in the pilot episode. He's taking work shifts uh, to make some extra money for them because obviously they need it. Right. Uh, but he's still a kid. He's still someone who's grieving, who just lost a brother. What he needs is his mom to comfort him. And he's not getting that from her. So he's got to do it. Himself. He's got to do what he has to do for himself. But here he is trying to do the right thing, trying to give his brother who he he believes is dead and why would you believe otherwise uh a rightful burial and yet your mom is just being completely crazy like how does that work so exactly i yeah i I totally totally get it i understand um i like that after their fights he looks around at all the people and says show's over right that's such a great touch yeah um yep so um I, i guess since we're kind of trying to kind of meet up at the end here in terms of the scenery. Uh, let's let's jump over to Nancy and Jonathan uh, so we can kind of get yeah. through their stuff and we can wrap everything up the, the last bit. Uh, so Nancy, um, well, actually, if we jump back, because actually it's like right after this when Jonathan is at the funeral parlor, the funeral parlor trying to pick out, you know, a casket and everything for his brother. Um Nancy comes by, right? Because, see, okay, so Nancy gets pulled into, uh, out of class, and she's basically confronted by these police officers, all right? And she's more or less, I believe, uh, uh, slut-shamed by the police officers. I wrote the exact same thing in my notes, that these cops are kind of slut-shaming her, and, like, it's not really, like, outright slut-shaming, but it's very subtle, and it certainly passes as slut-shaming, I think. Like, well, the way they phrase it, like, yeah, like, like we is that before or after you took your clothes off? <laughs> right, exactly, when they're like, we were just talking, uh, did you talk before or after you took your clothes off? Like, like okay, first of all, that's none of your business, and um, her mom, of course, like, she knew. Like, she knew when she came oh, yeah. home from Steve, she knew what happened. That's why she was getting Nancy to try to talk to her. So they get home, and her mom is kind of on her case. And that's when Nancy turns around and says, we slept together. Is that what you want to hear? It doesn't matter. And her mom, and I understand her mom's point of view, she says it does matter. And I think in terms of that happening with what's going on now, it it doesn't. But I understand from her mom's point of view because her mom doesn't understand anything that's going on. Um, but her mom is like, I, you, you know, you, you lost your virginity. It's kind of a big deal. I want to talk about it. But Nancy, Nancy, rightfully so, says, look, it doesn't matter. You know, Barb is missing right now. So instead of like going out there and trying to find her, like you guys are concerned with this. And right now this doesn't matter. And in that aspect, I agree. I mean, this this other yeah. conversation can wait until later, um, because yeah. right now it it's not the most important have a thing. Timestamp, right? Barb, there's a timestamp on her and missing persons, and after seventy two odd hours, you can pretty much write them off. That's what cops do, and so you got to tick and clock there. Right, right. So, uh, so we have um, Nancy angry. Right, she runs up to her room, slams the door, doesn't want to talk to anybody. Um, so when she she gets to her room, she pulls out the ripped up photo, right, from last episode. Whenever uh, Steve and all the other guys broke Jonathan's camera and ripped up uh, some of his photos, um, and so she takes this photo and she puts it back together because she notices something. And when she does, she she sees something behind behind uh, Barb, and. That leads... In the big photo, it looks smudgy, but something's definitely there. Right, something there. It's not like, yeah, it's something like like a figure or something behind her. Um, so Nancy um, also, um, I guess, actually, I'm sorry, I have to go back a little bit. Uh, Nancy tried to tell Steve about the, the man without a face that she saw at his house in the previous episode. Um, and he wanted to 
hold back the information about the drinking of the party because apparently his dad is a hard ass. And yeah, that's where his worries lie, is getting in trouble from his parents. Not Barb's safety, not the fact that nobody can find her. Yeah, he's being a class A dick here. Correct. Right. So, um, Nancy tracks Jonathan down at the funeral home, right? Cell phones didn't exist, so she had probably called, uh, found out that he was down there, and uh, went down to the funeral home because she had to talk to him. So they go and they sit. He sh- she shows him the photograph. He's like, yeah, I don't know what this is. Um, it's kind of weird. What is it? I have no idea. And Nancy gets up to leave. She's kind of like embarrassed by coming down here. Like she realizes, given what he's going through, like this is the should be the last of his worries. But that's when she says that he said, this man that you saw, like what did he look like? And she said, well, I don't know. She's like, he didn't. And he finishes her sentence. He says, have a face. She wants to know well, how he knows that. And so they go back and they develop the cameras from his picture. Or I'm sorry. The, let me say that again. Develop the pictures from his camera. Um, and when they do so, they see clearly the monster behind Barb. And she's like, that's what yeah. I saw. It looks like they like magnify that part of the image or mm-hmm. the um oh what the hell did you used to call the film thingies uh, the negatives 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 that's it yeah <laughs> man right so um right so now we we kind of uh We'll jump back over to we're kind of hitting the end here. We do have a scene with uh, where Brenner is back at the the lab and he sends uh, what I call a red shirt. Uh, what everyone knows a red shirt. Right. Is. He sends a red shirt into investigate the poor. If you don't know what a red shirt is, red shirt is like a, a character on a TV show. Like Star Trek made him famous. Red shirts are people that were expendable. Like generally on the show for one episode, but their whole job is like eventually they're gonna die. Um, You've never seen them before, and you know you're never gonna see them again. Right, and so he sends a red shirt into the portal to check it out, to see what's in there. Did bother taking a camera, by the way, a video camera, but whatever. Um, <laughs> right, uh, it, it doesn't Why not? go well. You guys have the technology. Right, they had they had technology, but it was it was would have been the resolution would have been pretty bad. It would have been bulky. Um, it doesn't go well. Uh, there's a mo- the monsters in there. It ends up uh, getting them. They pull the hook out uh, with the machine, and it's bloody. So obviously he's dead. Yeah, yeah poor red shirt. <laughs> poor red shirt. Okay, so uh, let's go back, and we'll kind of jump between the last bit here between all of the different uh, storylines. So after the kids. Uh, interaction with Troy, they're able to go and use the Heathkit ham shack just like uh, the teacher told them to. Um, Eleven, using her powers, finds a way uh, to allow Will to contact his mom. Uh, we jump to to Joyce. The, she has the music on. Uh, she she starts to hear pounding, so she runs outside. She sees that. There's nobody out there. She runs back in. She tells it's, she can tell it's coming from the wall, so she rips the wallpaper off. <laughs> and behind the wallpaper is like this, like this gelatinous, hard membrane. gelatinous membrane, and uh, Will's pounding on it. Joyce is pounding on it, and then eventually they hear the the monster. Uh, Will tells her that the place he's in, it's like home, but it's it's so dark and cold. Um, Joyce tells him that she loves him, that she'll do everything she can to find him, but that he needs to run from the monster. And so he does. Yeah, and we hear from the uh, boy's side as well. They're hearing the whole conversation, at least from Will's side, Mm -hmm. and hearing what's going on, and hear the monster as well. Right, right. And so after this, like, you know, finishes, like, the Heath kit actually bursts into flames. Uh, just, <laughs> just too much of a power overload from, from Eleven. Uh, Eleven collapses. Um, it's obviously took a lot out of her. Um, it forces the kids to actually pick her up and, you know, take her, uh, carry her out. Um, 
so then we jump back to Joyce. Uh, she grabs her her uh, hatchet from outside, and she's uh, her axe. I mean, and she starts hitting the wall, thinking that she's going to break through the membrane. Of course, uh, now that Eleven has broken contact, the wall is just a wall, and she simply just rips a hole right through the wall, and she just sees through to the other side, which is just outside. <laughs> um, Poor thing. Awful. And uh, the last thing we see is. Uh, lights come up upon the house. Um, we see Lonnie, her her ex-husband, get out. Joyce, of course, is distraught and crying. Uh, Lonnie enfolds her in his arms and roll credits. Oh, you're missing a scene. Oh, I am I missing uh, a scene? Hopper goes back to the morgue. Oh, that's right. That's right. How can I miss that scene? Sorry. Yeah. That, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's he, right. He Actually, goes back to yeah, I have it written down here. I did. Okay. Okay. Uh, yes, right. So the last thing we get, right, Hopper breaks into the coroner's office uh, because he goes in and says, oh, my hat is is in there. I left it. Uh, the guard is at the door. He's reading Cujo. Yes. And With a big Stephen King face on the back. Right. Uh, he tries, uh, Hopper tries to use his guile to get in. Uh, it doesn't work. So he just kind of squints. It says, Okay, I've had enough, basically. And <laughs> just, just, clocks pu- him. just clocks him, hits him twice, breaks into the coroner's office, pulls out a knife, cuts into the body, and pulls out cotton stuffing. It's like the Build the Bear version of Will. <laughs> right. Just completely full of stuffing. It's a Build a Will. Right, Build a Will. Nice. Like it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and that, that ends the episode, so, Sarah, what, what did you think of this episode? It's a great episode, I mean, all the episodes are fantastic, but they're all just great in their own way, like, I love that we progress so much, we get to see Elle out in the world, and seeing her face as they're riding bikes, by the way, and seeing her just fascinated by everything is just the sweetest thing, uh, I love we get, they're finally, like, not mad at her anymore, because it always breaks my heart when they're mad at her. Um, but yeah, watching Joyce through this episode is incredible. Her, and especially Jonathan, too, um, wonderful acting on their part. I love the progression, you know, it doesn't feel like we're standing still. Everything's having a purpose, we're moving forward. And Hopper's just, it's not like your typical, like, you know, one person believes something and the person just says they're crazy. You know, Hopper wouldn't say that to Joyce, no matter what he believes. And you know, the fact that you know, nothing is really sitting right with him and he follows it. Like, he follows his instincts and it's not your typical, like, you know, guy tries to make girls see that, you know, it, what she's seeing isn't real. And then something happens that makes him change his mind. It's like, yeah, he's actually being a legit cop and following his instincts. I love that. Uh, such a fantastic episode. Yeah, I think that early on in, in the episode when Joyce says, you've got to believe me, like she's so sure about what she's heard and seen. Like even though Hopper doesn't, I think, believe her initially, it's like it's almost like this grain of sand, which I think represents Joyce's words kind of irritate and kind of <laughs> keep him from just settling in on the most easy uh, story explanation, and yeah. so it, like it, and it grows like into a mustard seed, and then it grows into something bigger, and then like little bit by little bit, it's like what Joyce said begins to kind of work on his mind, and then he starts seeing things in the episode, which just kind of makes him realize like maybe Joyce is right, maybe something's going on here. I, I don't know what it is. He probably doesn't even believe at that point that what she's saying is true, but he knows something is going on. And then when he gets to the end, like it's like the moment of truth. I don't think he thinks he's going to at that point cut into Will and see Gorgons. I think something tells him he knows he's going to. I think he pauses because in that moment, he's already sure, I think, that when he cuts it open, it's not going to be organs is going to be something and that Joyce is right all along and when he sees that it's just confirmation from like everything that he's learned so far and uh, I think it's a brilliant brilliant thing I love the acting in this episode is just top-notch as always the kids do a phenomenal job they carry such a heavy weight in this series and they do it so well 
of course, acting accolades all across the board, I think, for, for everybody. Uh, it's just really a fantastic, well-done episode. Really, One of the great things about this show is the narrative momentum. Like this is a fast-paced show. It pushes things along. This show doesn't doesn't slow down. It doesn't slog for me. Um, I don't feel like I'm getting to a point where it's just sagging in terms of the momentum. I, I just think it's I never. It's brilliant. It really is very very well done. Yeah, hundred percent agree. The momentum of this series is. It's so great. They don't waste any time. They're, everything has a purpose. Everything has meaning. And it's always progressing. I love it. Uh, so yeah, fantastic episode all around. All right, Sarah. Why don't you give me your uh, grade? If you have any other final thoughts you'd like to share, fine. If not, just the grade works. Uh, and then we will wrap up this episode. Man, like it's hard to grade this anything less than perfect. Because <laughs> it is perfect uh it's a plus for me and like i wonder if season two comes around and it's like even better like how are we gonna grade it because this is already such a perfect series <laughs> i think it's pretty much every episode is gonna be like a plus for me <laughs> uh yeah i this is a, a really a real standout episode i think uh for a lot of people if episode three didn't hook you in such a way that made you realize you were going to watch to the end of the of the season. I think certainly episode four uh, is the one to do it for you. You know, the ending for episode three is such a gut wrencher um, that yes. a lot of people have conf- confessed that episode three, the end, was where they realized, oh yeah, I'm watching the end of this this series, um, at least this season. And I think for most other people, it's the end of this one where they realize, oh, man, okay, Will isn't dead. It was a, f- a fake, oh, a fake body and, and just, you know, so. <laughs> and I think we're starting to see some things starting to uh, – getting some answers, I think, is the big thing. We're starting to get some answers um, or at least heading in that direction. Uh, I just think that the episode really is a standout one. I've got to give it an A+. It just is – good stuff i really enjoy it so um yeah. yeah and to give a good example of the power that the episode three has um i had watched this because he told me to watch it and i couldn't get my husband to watch it. like he was watching like three different tv series like i don't have time <laughs> i can't take this on right now but i was like really persistent because like it's amazing of course and so i got the flu and i was really sick in bed and i was just like a pathetic thing looking thing and I'm like, will you lay here and watch Stranger Things with me? And he's like, okay, I'll give you two episodes. And I'm like, and so I argue four episodes. So he compromised with three because I know if he watches three, he's gonna have to watch four. <laughs> and sure enough, yeah, watch three episodes. And he's like, we have to go on. That can't be the way it goes. <laughs> Hook, line, and sinker. I got him in. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Your devious mind has worked wonders. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Even when you're sick and you're in ill health, you uh, your mind just manages to reel him in. That's, that's truly impressive. <laughs> right? I got talent. <laughs> uh okay well that's it everybody for us this week uh we'll be back next week for another episode of stranger things uh yep so we're getting into the second half of the season of course we're preparing for uh season two coming up very soon so yeah good stuff can't wait uh so if you guys want to send us any feedback, emails, voicemails, what have you, you can do so by sending them to freakinggeeksmedia at gmail.com or reaching us to, out to us at Twitter at freakgeeksmedia. Uh, also, if you want to check out... <laughs> I'm so used to saying, hey, check out Patreon, but if you're listening to this, you're already on Patreon. Unless in the future we release these, so might as well throw it out there. Patreon.com forward slash freakinggeeks for all the other content and goodies. Uh, and also, if you want to hop onto iTunes, give us a rating and review. We deeply appreciate it because it gets us noticed and other people listen. So, yeah. 
Yeah, and if you'd like to listen to any of our other podcasts, of course, if you're on Patreon, you might already know about them. But if you uh, if you don't, we have our Hungry for Hannibal podcast, where we review all the episodes of the TV show Hannibal. We have Friday Night Mics for the TV show Friday Night Lights. Uh, we also have the Freaking Geeks podcast, of course, which is what uh, we're kind of posting this under, but we do movies and other, other, other things on there. Um yeah, so you know we got a lot the of good American stuff. Gods. Sorry, the American Gods oh, podcast. Of course, American Gods podcast as well. We always forget um, one. <laughs> yeah, we always forget one. So American Gods, if if you've been interested in that or you want to check it out or whatever, catch up. If you haven't uh, watched the show yet, you can uh, always watch it episode by episode and listen to our review. So check out our other podcasts. And hopefully you'll find at least one, hopefully all of them, but hopefully at least one that uh, you enjoy and you would like to continue to listen to. Absolutely. So I guess that wraps it up for us tonight. All right. Everyone have a great weekend. Yep, you too. And we'll see you guys next time. Bye.